Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. This episode of Michigan Minds is part of a special series from University of Michigan Public Engagement and Impact in collaboration with the Office of the Vice President for Research to discuss firearm injury prevention. I am happy to be joined today by U of M faculty member, Dr. Cindy Ewell Foster. Can you please formally introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about your role at U of M? Sure, hi, I am so delighted to be with you today and thanks so much for having me. I am a child clinical psychologist by training and I'm an associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Michigan Medicine and within uh, Rackham Graduate School on U of M Central Campus. And in what areas does your research focus? So I have been working in the field of suicide prevention for almost 20 years, and my research focuses on um, more comprehensive public health approaches to youth suicide prevention. I'm specifically interested in how we can develop family and community and systems level supports um, that will prevent suicide in young people. Can you explain your work studying firearm safety education to reduce morbidity and mortality in youth in rural areas specifically? So over the last 15 years, I've worked really closely with the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services to implement and evaluate the dissemination of lots of different best practice approaches to suicide prevention within Michigan communities. And it was through that partnership that we began working in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, specifically with the Marquette County Health Department and their Suicide Prevention Alliance. And that's really what led us to this focus on firearm safety education because through their suicide prevention grant, we were really supporting them to try to implement comprehensive community-based approaches to suicide prevention. And one of those um, that they began working on was counseling on access to lethal means, which is really one of our most um, effective suicide prevention strategies. So clinically, one of our best suicide prevention strategies is counseling on access to lethal means. And firearms are responsible for about half of all of the suicide deaths in the United States. We know that when someone attempts suicide with a firearm, there's an 80 to 90% chance of death. And we also know that when a suicide crisis hits, um, it's very clear that if um, it is hard in that moment for a person to access a firearm, they are just much more likely to get through that crisis and survive. So the idea that if someone really wants to kill themselves, they will, is just not borne out by the data. Um, and so any efforts that we can make to um, make it more difficult to access firearms in those difficult situations, that's a life-saving measure. So our team in Marquette County was really working on disseminating this um, prevention strategy in their community. And in so doing, they really began to see the need to do cultural tailoring. So obviously Marquette is in the Upper Peninsula. It's a rural area. Um, hunting and firearm ownership is just a really important part of the culture up there. And there were lots of discussions that were being had at community events and health fairs 
Um, and their Suicide Prevention Alliance just did a really beautiful job of partnering with the community and learning about how to respectfully engage in this prevention practice. So it was really through our partnership with them that we moved into this new initiative. We were so fortunate to be funded by the FACTS Consortium um, to develop this pilot project. And the MIXPA, the Marquette County Suicide Prevention Alliance has just been a partner all, all along the way. Um, they really helped us to partner with the community to engage in key informant interviews and focus groups about how could we design a, um, a, you know, a universal strategy targeting families with young children um, to improve the safe storage of firearms in their homes. So what led you to focus on firearm safety education in rural areas like the Upper Peninsula? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, we know that um, rates of suicide are actually higher in our rural communities and the suicides that occur there are more likely to occur with a firearm. And so we were just um, really fortunate to be able to leverage this relationship to try to work on this issue um, in a way that, that felt very collaborative and respectful um, of the community. In our, you know, just our small focus group sample, which were all families with children, the average number of guns in the house was about six and a half. Um, and so, you know, these are families that, you know, hunting is a huge part of the culture. There are um, both handguns and long guns in the house. And, um, you know, it felt like a really, you know, wonderful opportunity to, to be able to, to work on this issue. In this research, you worked on identifying ways to reduce mortality in youth specifically. Can you talk about that a little bit and why that's an important emphasis? We know that when um, kids who die by suicide with a firearm, that firearm typically uh, most frequently belongs to someone in their family. And we also know that improving safe storage can prevent other kinds of unintentional injuries or other types of intentional injuries with firearms. So, um, you know, while I'm a suicide prevention person, we really wanted to move upstream from this idea of counseling on access to lethal means, which is what you would do um, with a family um, when you were concerned that their kid was at risk for suicide, move it upstream so that we are doing something that is universally beneficial for families who have kids in their home. One of the things that we're interested in learning is whether there's a sweet spot um, in terms of the age of your child to be having this conversation with folks. I and mean, I think many of us who are parents remember um, having baby-proofing conversations with our pediatricians and um, you know, thinking, being real motivated to get our home safe. So in our sample, you know, we looked at you know, whether um, parenting a three-year-old felt different than parenting a kid in elementary school or a kid in high school. In this research, as you've you know examined these different messaging and you know working with families, what have you found through this work to be effective forms of firearm safety education? Yeah, so you know it's been fascinating. So the first part of this project, um, as I mentioned, we um, you know worked with a community advisory panel that really helped us to 
um, refine the questions that we were asking to the community, but we started with a series of focus groups and key informant interviews. So about 40 people in the community really talked with us about the best way to construct a culturally tailored intervention in their community. They talked to us about the values that they had in their community and, and really who, who are the most credible messengers for a firearm safety uh, educational campaign, what should the campaign say or not say, and what's the best way to deliver that message. So there were some real, um, I think, important highlights that came from that. So one is that, um, you know, these rural families were telling us that they actually didn't want to hear this conversation from their pediatrician. They didn't want to hear it at school. They wanted to hear from folks who had a lot of credibility as firearm owners. So in particular, folks in law enforcement or who were hunter safety instructors or um, someone in the family because firearm safety messages are really transmitted intergenerationally in this community and many, many people told us about the pride that they take in their family around firearm safety and the ways that those messages are passed down from grandparents to parents to children and being with firearms is often a really, you know, a lovely family event in the community. So really being sure that we're using the right messengers for folks and, um, you know, and using the right message. And, and so, you know, folks take a look at some of the you know, infographics and statistics that are getting used in conversations around the country, you know, that, that some of us health professionals are using when we're trying to have conversations with people. And, you know, they didn't, um, they didn't land the way we would like them to. And um, I think it just really speaks to how important it is when you're trying to, to do interventions to really understand the community, respect their values, speak with their language, and so we're hopeful that that this intervention that we've developed with their help, um, you know, will will serve that role. I'm really glad that you went into that because it really brings forward the message of working with the community to understand what it is that would be effective because, you know, it's it's not going to be the same message for every community. So what would your, you know, recommendation be for, you know, researchers or community organizations in other communities? Because, you know, from what you've said, you don't want them to just take what you've learned and apply it, but what should they do instead? How should they work to identify what would be effective for their community. You know, it's interesting because it's a lot of what we do in our in our suicide prevention work, right? So the research tells us what are the core components? What are the best practices, right? So for example, we know that restricting access to firearms is one of our best suicide prevention strategy, right? We have that core component. But then when we are working on disseminating those best practices into communities, you know, the way that we do it in Michigan with help of the federal government is to really um, take those best practices, provide that technical assistance and that, you know, sort of information dissemination to communities and then let communities figure out how to tailor those core components in a way that, that works in their communities. There has been such a dearth of work around firearms and firearm safety and safe storage in our country that I'm really grateful that we've been able to get into this space and, and be able to develop you know, some of those you know, community tailoring best practices. 
and your work is a part of the University of Michigan's new Institute for Firearm Injury Prevention Research, which is focused on building stronger infrastructure for research, educational activities, and community outreach related to firearm injury prevention. Why do you feel it's important to have a designated focus area like this at U of M? I want to start by saying I'm so grateful to be a part of this initiative um, and our country needs science to step into this space. You know, suicide is the second leading cause of death of children in this country and firearms are being used in over half of the suicide deaths that are happening in the United States. And um, this isn't a partisan issue. This isn't a political issue. I don't think that we can rely on um, people in that space to make a difference. We have to have science and we have to have a real commitment to guiding um, work in this area. And so I'm just really proud of our university that they have stepped into this space. This work would never have been done without the FACTS Consortium that funded our work. And, um, you know, we really um, take the opportunity very seriously and are committed to being sure that we are disseminating what we're learning into the community and that we're able to move it forward if the data suggests that it's really a useful intervention um, in our rural communities. We are approaching National Gun Violence Awareness Day, which is on June 4th. And with your expertise and experience in this research and in suicide prevention work, why is focusing on suicide prevention and also working with communities to identify the most effective forms of firearm safety education important elements of this awareness day? I think it's important that we focus on youth and we focus on our rural areas because um, as I mentioned, before, suicide is the second leading cause of death in young people in the US. Those rates have been going up even before the COVID pandemic. And you know we have to do something as a nation different than what we have been doing before. And um, you know, as a nation, when we have put our minds to solving public health problems, we have been able to do that. We have decreased deaths in this country by motor vehicle accidents. We really can commit to this issue and put our science and our best efforts behind it. And I truly believe we can move the needle on this issue. Our suicide rates are higher in our rural communities and they're often very under-resourced. Um, these families have limited access to mental health care and they have other you know, barriers. And um, you know, if we can address this one issue about access to firearms, um, I think you know, kids in this area you know, may benefit. I also just want to acknowledge though, you know, my work focuses on suicide prevention in rural areas, but um, certainly gun violence is something and um, suicide by firearm, unintentional injuries, violence with firearms is something that impacts kids and families and adults all across our nation. And it's not limited to one geographic region, which is why I think it's so wonderful that at the University of Michigan, we have people working on this issue across many different populations, rural and urban, um, you know, across different races and ethnicities and different ways of approaching the problem. I think that synergy that we're able to create with all of these different disciplines and areas of expertise is just really powerful. And I'm just really inspired to be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Ewell Foster, for joining Michigan Minds as a part of this special series. Listeners can learn more information at firearminjury.umich.edu. 
Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.